Father, we've come to the time in this service when we open your book and we read its pages and absorb its message. Your word's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. Right now, oh God, we open your Bible to know how to live. God, teach us from your word today and may your word be anointed. May your word find a lodging place in our heart that it will live on and on. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is a book that is interesting to all expositors of Scripture because it deals with the New Testament church and its discipleship and its formation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 11 talks about a time in Israel when God's people were in Egyptians' bondage and that God sent a deliverer and brought them out of that bondage and out from under that yoke. Similarly, in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus brings us out from under the bondage and the tyranny of sin and the dominion of sin in humans' lives. God is always at work, always at work, refining and forming and developing and maturing us to be people of purpose, people of alignment, people that have a will of God for their lives. You see, I believe that every one of you that are sitting in the sound of my voice today are people that God has a will and a purpose for. Your purpose was given to you in Christ Jesus before the world began. In fact, in Jeremiah, the Bible said, God said, To Jeremiah, before you were ever shapen in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet. What that tells us is that individually, every one of us have a plan of God for our lives. The verse we like to quote so much in Romans 8, 28, is that all things work together for good to people who love the Lord, who are the called according to His purpose according to his purpose. God purposes the lives for every one of us. So you today are either in the will of God or not in the will of God or need to be in the will of God. And I hope that at the close of this message today, you'll find that place of peace, that place of rest in Christ, that place of knowing in your relationship the Lord Jesus as your Savior, as your sanctifier, your Holy Ghost baptizer, and your soon-coming king. Amen. That's the desire for all of us and the purpose of God for all of us. I'd like to tell you that God's people have always done God's will, but that's not absolutely correct. There were times when God severely judged His people and times when God chastened His people. And I want to tell you God still is doing that today. Not because he wants to harm us or wants to injure us in some way, but because there are lessons that can only be learned through the experiences that we go through in this life. One of the lines from one of the old songs that we used to uh, sing, uh, Andre Crouch, was, If I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve it. If I never had a difficulty, if I never had to go through something, I wouldn't know how to trust God in those times. And the Bible said that experience worketh patience, and patience hope. 
and hope maketh not ashamed. So this experience of going through things and enduring things is part of this formation, this discipleship formation that God does in all of us. And sometimes when God says no, it's because he has a better yes to say. And I say it this way a lot of times. When God closes a door, he has a much better door to open. If we just wouldn't get so angry and out of sorts because of a door closed, we could understand the long-term nature of what God is doing for us. Because you're just not going to be a super spiritual person in one day. You're just not going to be that that super-duper whooper-whopper in just one day of serving the Lord. It's a, a maturing process, and the Lord develops us. And he even says to older women who are experienced in the church, they ought to teach younger women. And that older fathers in the church ought to take under their wing younger men and younger fathers because they've experienced life and they've been through difficulty and they've learned to trust the Lord so they can advise and counsel young, inexperienced, immature ones on how to proceed on their way toward the purpose and the plan of God for their life. So many times history is pointed out to help keep us from making the same mistakes. Every one of us have a history. Did anybody learn anything in your history? Paul said, I've learned something in my history. I have learned, he said. Wasn't something that just came upon me overnight. But I have learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I've learned over the years, he said, that a priority is today and God's grace and the things that are sufficient for this day. And I've learned not to worry about tomorrow or what's over in another location or what another person has. I've learned to be content with my station in life. That in whatsoever state I am. And he says, I didn't just come by that automatically. I learned that. You see, there are some things that cannot be learned any other way but by going through these experiences and going through these hardships at times. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. That's a typical way of beginning a subject with Paul. How that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all of them passed through the sea and all of them were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. What we're seeing here is the commonality of tribulation in life. The commonality of us all. In fact, every one of us have at some time or another suffered difficulty and hardship and challenging times. In fact, the Bible said, Jesus said this, with much tribulation we enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, Job said, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Amen. And the Bible said in, in James, brethren, when a man, it didn't say if a man, if a man, when a man is overtaken by a fault, there are times when your faith falters. There are times when you struggle. There are times when you have doubts. 
Well, pastor, that's all the Bible says, sin. Yes, that's true. To not trust God is sin. But to be frank and honest with you, there all, all of us in this room have at times kind of scratched our, our head and kind of said, God, what's going on here? Because his ways are, are past finding out. His ways are so far above my ways, I can't in my limited ability comprehend what God is doing. Sometimes God just takes me completely by surprise in what he's doing. Sometimes when I live through it and get to the other side and look back, I can see clearly then because hindsight's always 20-20. But the tough part is on that, that front side where the glass is darkened. And when you see through a glass darkly and you don't understand. Faith means you keep going when you don't understand. Faith means you keep trusting and keep depending and keep serving and keep worshiping. His praise shall continually be in my mouth even when times are tough. I used to give an illustration. Rachel laughed at it for so many years when I talk about those grapevines out in the Napa Valley in California, and you can ride by there on that great highway that goes along the coast all the way down, and, and you can see those grapevines out there, those wonderful, wonderful things. We love to see when grapes are hanging on those vines, but when you see them at certain times of the year, it's as barren as it can be. They trim that thing right down to the stump. And there's no visible sign of life anywhere about it because the life, the sap, has gone underground. Has your faith ever gone underground? Has your relationship with God ever gone underground? Uh, there wasn't any leaves on your plant. There wasn't any fruit on your plant. And no visible sign of life on your plant. But you... Here's what Rachel laughs about. It's from a sermon 20 years ago. I said, but you drag that stump into God's house. And that stump cries out, praise the Lord anyway. And that stump continues to worship and lift up praise and honor to God, though there's no visible sign of life or victory or blessing anywhere about it. Faith just went underground for a while. The life, the sap just went underground. There'll be another season. I said, there'll be another season. There'll be a time when the sap will rise. There'll time, be a time when the life will come out from underground. It will resurrect and suddenly leaves and vines and fruit will appear on that plant. Hey, don't judge me by what you see right now because the season may change real soon. Don't judge me by what's on the outside. There's something on the inside. There's something that's gone underground that's living and powerful, and it'll live again. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. So many times, yeah, I used to call that crazy praising. I called it crazy praising. That's praising God when there's no reason why you should be praising God. When you're sitting there like Job sat with all of his diseased body and all of the things that were going wrong, loss of his uh, family and loss of his wealth and everything, he still would bless the Lord. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives and I shall stand with him in the latter day upon the earth. 
I, I, though I can't feel him and though I, though I can't experience him, he knows the way that I have taken. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. This season's gonna change. Don't judge me by what you see right now. There's gonna be a change. And some of you today may be in that same condition. Your faith may be underground right now. There may not be a lot of visible proof on the outside right now. There may not be a lot of blessing. There may not be a lot of victory. There may be some, some things that have set you back. But still you found your way to a house of God this morning. And I heard you clap your hands while a young lady sang, His praise will continually be in my mouth. And I, I heard you stand up and I heard you applaud when we sang praise songs, saying sing that his name is a wonderful name and his name is a beautiful name and his name is a powerful name, that the name of Jesus is above all names. Though you might not be rejoicing over what's going on right now, you can look to a time when it's gonna change and the season's gonna change. The tide's gone out, but the tide's gonna come back in because God will never, ever forsake the people that is called and purposed and intended to do his will. Well, come on and give God some praise in this house. So don't shrivel up somewhere and act like you're the only one that's ever gone through anything. In fact, I found out that's the best time to praise the Lord. I, I, I just contend that that would be a good time for you to really break out. When you go in that Philippian jail, don't just stop in the jail, go down in the dungeon. Go down there where the water's about, about knee or thigh deep. Down in that filthy place that stinks. That place where there's no light and you're locked in the stocks and your hands and your feet are in stocks and your back has been beaten to a bloody pulp and people that hate what you preach and hate what you believe and hate who you are and what you do and they're persecuting you and you're under the keen pressure of the attack of the adversary. And the Bible said, at midnight, when things were at its worst, when the pain was most intense, when the suffering was unbearable, Paul said, Silas, let's sing a song. Sing a song, that's crazy, man. That's crazy, bro. What are you gonna sing about? I'm gonna sing How Great Thou Art. I'm gonna sing about He's All I Need. I'm gonna sing about Through It All. I'm gonna sing about He's the Master of the Sea. I'm gonna talk about He's the Deliverer of my soul. I'm gonna talk about, oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. Hey, let's sing some of those songs that give him glory. Let's sing some of those songs that lift him up and give him praise because there's liberty, there's deliverance, there's power, there's freedom, there's anointing, there's blessing in singing songs when you're going through a trial. There'll be some old wet blanket that'll come along and say, you ought not to be singing songs like that. 
I know what you're going through. You ought not to be praising God. You ought not to be singing. You ought to be moaning and groaning. I refuse to moan and groan. I refuse to sit and soak and sour. I refuse to get, get mad at God and get a chip on my shoulder. I refuse, I refuse, I refuse. I will yet praise him. I will yet sing his song. I will yet lift him up and praise the Lord and bless his name. Hallelujah. They all drank from that same spiritual drink. But with many, number five says, but with many of them God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. They didn't make it through the hard time. They didn't maintain their trust. They didn't stick with the will of God. They didn't stick with their anointing. They were overwhelmed in the wilderness. Now these things, verse 6, these things for, for our example to the intent, this is the intention, that we should not lust after evil things like they did. They missed it. They lost it because they allowed things to become their priority instead of the giver of the things. In other words, you can fall in love with the blessing and forget about the blesser. Come on, somebody. You can get so involved in the things, the tapestry, and miss the main thing. And that main thing is bless the Lord, oh my soul. Thank God, forget not none of his benefits. Don't live ungrateful, unthankful lives like these people do. Don't do like that. Don't live like that. Honor the Lord, love the Lord, serve the Lord. Come to his house, worship him, lift up his name. Neither be ye adulterers or idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. What are you saying? Doesn't say a word about saying, thank you, Lord, for what we're eating. They sat down to eat and drink, and then they rose up to play. That means they were irresponsible. Irresponsible. You see, for every one of us in this house, there's a responsibility. In fact, the apostle Paul said we're debtors. Every one of us in this house are debtors. Who are we debtors to? I'm a debtor to all men. What do I owe to all men? I owe to them to live a life that lifts up Jesus and honors Jesus. I owe to every man. I owe to every woman, every boy, every girl. I owe it to them that when opportunity provides, I tell them about the saving grace of Jesus and the love of God. The love of God. Mike and I were chatting about a, I guess you could call him a mutual friend. He doesn't call me a friend, I'm sure. But as we were driving away when that guy had acted so ugly just yesterday, I said, Lord Jesus, I come to you right now for a blankety, blankety, blank. And I ask you to touch him and I ask you to change his attitude and save his soul and help him, Lord, to find you precious to his heart and life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Glory. Why do you do that? Because the Bible said pray for him. Why should you pray for somebody that don't care for your prayer? Because Jesus said pray for them that despitefully uses you. Pray for people that you would use you and abuse you and would say all manner of false things about you. 
for my namesake. Pray for him. Why? Because I got this debt. I got this debt that every time that I have the opportunity, I'm going to make an advertisement for the Lord Jesus. That wherever I am, in a jail cell or a juvenile detention facility or a hospital or a marketplace over at Publix, if I get an opportunity, I'm going to tell somebody, Jesus loves you Amen. and Jesus died for you and God cares about you. I was at Walmart the other day picking up something for Ella Grace or one of the kids and there was a lady there and I could tell she was really in a dilemma. And she was putting stuff up to her and she'd reach and get something and she'd put it up there. And I said, pardon me, ma'am, is there something wrong? She said, no, no, it's just, just me. I said, well, hey, I've, I've, I've got an answer for just you. She said, what's that? I said, have you ever met the Lord Jesus? She said, if you mean go to church, I, go. I said, I didn't ask you if you go to church. Well, if you want to know if I'm a member, I said, I didn't ask you if you're a member. I asked you, have you got the Lord Jesus? Because if you've got the Lord Jesus, he'll help you through these times you're going through right now. He specializes in difficulty. He, 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 he specializes in going down into the valley where you are. He specializes in seeking you out. He'll get out and look for you when everybody else is in the fold and you're not there. He'll go out and hunt for you. If you're lost, he'll go, go find you. He loves you. He cares. I said, would you let me just pray with you before I leave you? And I prayed for her and tears streamed down her cheeks. She said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm a preacher. She said, where do you preach? I said, I'm pastor at Harvest. She said, I know I'd seen you somewhere. Hey, that's all right. We owe it to people to tell them that Jesus is the answer. That Jesus is the answer for whatever is wrong in your life. And then he says a third, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day 23,000. And the ninth verse says, neither tempt ye Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Wait a minute, pastor. That's in the Old Testament. How did they tempt Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? He wasn't Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. How did these wandering Jews tempt Jesus? Do you see it in verse 9? Don't tempt Jesus like they did. Well, I never really knew. I knew the rock that the water came out of. Paul said that was Jesus. But I never knew that Jesus was tempted by these folks out in the wilderness. Well, we better investigate that because we sure don't want to be ignorant because the first verse was, don't be ignorant. Touch your neighbor and say, don't be ignorant. <laughs> what happened to them when they tempted the Lord Jesus, when they defamed his name, they spoke against Moses and they, they said to him, why have you got us out here in this wilderness? We don't have any bread. In fact, they said, we loathe this light bread. What was that manna? Manna. God was feeding them every day. All they had to do is go out there and pick it up and bring it in. And they said, we hate it. We despise what God has provided for us. Come on, somebody. 
they had such disrespect. And they said, here we are with, out here in this desolate place. Why did you lead us out here? I wish we were back in Egypt. Verse 5 of Numbers chapter 21. Can you put that up there for me? And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned. Thank God for conviction. I said, thank God for conviction. Because sometimes you have to get snake bit before you'll say, God help me. Sometimes you've got to feel the sting of the bite of the serpent before you'll say, I've sinned. I'm wrong. I need to get right with God. That thing that you're so mad at God about might be what he's trying to get to use to get you to say, God, I need your help. Boy, that landed about like a submarine with a screen door, didn't it? You mean God would maybe use something I'm going to and through to adjust my attitude? You mean God may be trying to get a message to me? The Bible said, and the people went to Moses and said, we have sinned. We've sinned for we've spoken against the Lord. And against thee, pray unto the Lord that he will take away these serpents. And Moses prayed for the people. Wow. No wonder the Bible calls him the meekest man of the earth. Most pastors would say, you made your bed hard laying. But Moses said, I'm going to go pray for you. And Moses said to the Lord, And the Lord said to Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now that serpent of brass is a type of the Lord Jesus. How in the world do you get that, Pastor? That, that serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness and the people were told, look upon this serpent and believe and you'll be healed and you'll be saved. I used to have one. I don't know where it, where it got lost. I used to hold it up when I preached. Remember that long pole I had with that serpent of brass on it? I'd walk around with that thing. Moses lifted it up. It was a type of the Lord Jesus being lifted up. Put it up there for me in St. John chapter 3, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Lifted up. Even so, somebody say even so. Just like Moses who lifted up that serpent and everybody who had the poison of sin flowing in their veins from the bite of the fiery serpent. When that person looked upon that, that 
brass serpent and believed that the Lord could help him, that that was the Lord's way and that was the Lord's method, then he believed and the Bible said he was healed. No wonder the Bible said, Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. It's the business of every church. It's the business of every evangelist. It's the business of every missionary. It's the business of every pastor to lift up the Lord Jesus because in doing so, the Lord Jesus can be looked upon and believed upon and he will save and he will heal and he'll deliver. These verses have messianic overtones lifting up Jesus. Verse 9 really intrigues me. Jesus, how did they tempt Jesus? Let's look at Exodus chapter 23 and verse 20. I'm going to try to stop. Come on, Connor, and help me quit. Got to get some graduates blessed here. Behold, verse 20 of chapter 23 in Exodus. Behold, I sent an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. Behold, I send an angel to keep you in the way. You're going to send an angel ahead of me, ahead of me, to guard me. God is going to send his angel. That one says an angel. The original King James says God's angel. God's angel. Not just any angel, but God's angel. Do you know who God's angel is? It's his son, the savior of the world that we call the Lord Jesus. So God is saying, I am sending Jesus ahead of you. Now wait a minute, these people are coming out of Egypt. They're, they're, they're wandering in the wilderness and Jesus is going to get involved. The angel, God's angel, is going to go ahead of the traveling people of God who are along the way. Somebody say along the way. See it right there on the second line? Along the way. What a great sermon title. Along the way. And to know that Jesus is going before them to guard them, guard them along the way, and number two, bring them to a place. Punch your neighbor and say, God is bringing me to a place. Jesus is taking me to a place. Jesus is guarding me, keeping me. He's along the way with me, and he's ahead of me, and he's going before me. Are you kidding me? Jesus guards and keeps and brings us to the place which he has prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, 
then I will be an enemy to your enemies. Say it with an enemy to my enemies. An enemy to your enemies, and I will be an adversary to your adversaries. Say it with me. An enemy to my enemies, and an adversary to my adversaries. Boy, that's the best bullet I got to shoot today. Wow. I will be an enemy to your enemies, adversary to your adversaries. Look, verse 20. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee into the land of the Amorites and the Hittites and the Parasites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will cut them off. I'm going to take you to a land, but it's got some things that you got to deal with when you get there. Got some battles you got to fight when you get there. But I, I promise you this, I will cut them off. I'll go ahead of you and I'll wipe, is that what I said? Wipe them out. I'm going to take harvest to a place that's not free from difficulty and hardships, but I promise you, I'm with you, I'm going before you, I'll destroy your enemies, I'll destroy your adversaries, and I'll wipe out all the issues. Well, if there's a shout in the camp, it ought to have happened right then. My Lord, to learn that God is bringing you to a place and he's going to bring you in. He goes before us. He's the rock which God gives water. He's the bread that has come down from heaven. He is the blessed vine that gives us life. He's the fountain of life, the well of salvation. He's God's angel, and he goes before us. He goes before us in life. He goes before us in suffering. He goes before us in prayer. He goes before us in battle. He goes before us in death. He goes before us in resurrection. He goes before us into heaven where he is seated right now at the hand of the Father as the intercessor praying for you and for me. Already gone before me. My next step, friends, Jesus is always in my tomorrows. He's already in heaven waiting on me. He gave me a promise a long time ago. He said, I go to prepare a place for you and where I am there ye may be also. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you can be also. What a God, what a Jesus, what a Savior that goes before us. Wow, how powerful is that? God wants to bring us into a place, into a place that he is building for us. I will drive them out from before you. Look at verse 29. It says, in one year, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land becomes desolate. I'm not going to do this. He said, I'm, I'm bringing you. I'll get you there. But I'm not just going to do it all of a sudden. I'm not going to do it quick. Oh, I know you want it quick. 
And I know you want it now, but it's not best for you to give it to you all at once. Because if I gave it to you all at once, the land would be desolate because you'd get lazy. And you'd get fat and sassy. And you'd start sitting down at the table and getting up and go play. So I'm not going to do it in one year. I'm not going to do it fast. I'm not going to do it all of a sudden. Listen to what he says. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. In other words, what I've given to you, others will come and take. If I do it quickly, it will become old hat to you. Boy, that's, that's strong stuff, isn't it? Listen to verse 30, then I'll quit. By little and little, I will drive them out from before you until thou be increased and inherit the land. I'll do it little by little. Oh, no, God. I can't stand little by little. I really want lot by lot, not little by little. Sometimes it's difficult for us to set our clock to God's time. Sometimes it's very hard for us to maintain faith when our clock has run out. When we say, I'm done. I'm finished. I've had it. I've gone through this about as long as I intend to. I can't deal with this no more. I can't handle this. We make those fatalistic statements, you know. But I hear a, a still small voice somewhere saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I hear a still small voice somewhere saying, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I hear a still small voice that says, lean not to your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I hear a small voice say somewhere, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. He that keepeth me will neither slumber nor sleep. Yea, he that keepeth me will neither not let the sun to smite me by day nor the moon by night. He is my strength of my life. The Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Of what shall I be afraid? The Lord is on my side. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hey, hey, hey! When you got God on your side, when you got a purpose, when God's taking you somewhere, then bless God, keep your chin up because faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. Yes. Somebody say he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. Has he done it for you? Yes. Has he done it for you? Yes. Woo! Hallelujah. Blessed be God. Little by little I'll drive them out and you'll be increased and you'll inherit the land. In other words, God said, let's just do this my way. Just do it my way. Brother Ford said he's working on a sermon one Oh, my mind this morning was get the clay out of the way. Get the clay out of the way. Brother, if we could just get the clay out of the way and say, Lord, not my will, thine be done. 
if we could just get the clay out of the way and say, Lord Jesus, I want your purpose. I want your will. I want your assignment for my life. And I want to live under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to dwell in that holy place, that secret place of the Most High. I want to hear that voice that speaks to me, encouragement, that tells me you can go on because I've gone before you. I've gone before you. Michael, God is before you. I said, He's before you. He's already in next week. Steve, He's already in next month. He's already in next year. The Bible said, O thou that inhabitest eternity. He's in eternity past. He's in eternity future. He knows all about tomorrow. Hey, and because He's gone before us, prepared the way, He said, I can do all things through Christ. Stand with me. Let me pray a prayer with you. Come on. Pastor, you said I wouldn't leave here like I came. Just one touch from the Savior. Just one touch. Just one touch. That's all it takes. It don't take a big amount of food. One lady said just a crumb. Just a crumb. Just a crumb. Don't need a big meal. Just a crumb. How big or how small doesn't matter. What really matters is Jesus said, whatever you ask of me, in my name, I will do it. Whatever you ask, I'll do it. What does this passage tell us? It tells us that we're on the move. The Bible said here we have no certain dwelling place. This world is not our home. The Bible said, but now. They desire a better place, another country, another country. Listen, and God is not ashamed to be called their God because He has prepared for them a place, for them a city, a city. God has prepared for them a city. What is a city? Cities where people are, cities where commerce is, cities where Plenty is. Wow. No more loneliness. No more desolation. No more isolation. He's taking us to a city. Taking us to a city. John said, I saw it. Said it's 1,500 miles square. Said it's 1,500 miles wide. And it's 1,500 miles long. And it's 1,500 miles high. And he said it's got 12 foundations. 12 foundations. Or 12 stories. And each, Lisa, of those foundations is garnished with a precious stone. The first floor, and all you ladies will be on the first floor. I know if we're putting in requests for residency, you're going to say I want the first floor because it's it's jasper. It's diamond. The first floor is diamond. Chalcedony. Onyx. Burl. Topaz. All those beautiful, beautiful colors. Jacinth, which is orange, by the way, for all you Auburn fans. You may want to be on the 11th floor. Or Tennessee fans. 
You get on the 11th floor. That's orange. It's just seen. How about that? Amethyst is one of them. You mean, Pastor, God's got a, a brilliant city for us? You know, since this Hubble telescope is seeing further than we've ever seen, they've discovered things they've never known. And they see a strange star in the north, to the north. And it seems to be square. It's, it's, it's so far away. A square. And it seems to be so brilliant that it sparkles and it glistens. You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping that's that city that John said, John saw coming down. That city where the Lamb's Book of Life is the city directory. That city where there are no lampposts because Jesus is the light. That city where the gate is one solid pearl. Glory to God. I, I got to quit preaching. My Lord. Thank you, God, for all you got in store for us. Thank you, God, for going before us and preparing the way for us. Thank you, God, for all the promises that are yea and amen. Amen. Some folks are just sitting on the premises. You ought to be standing on the promises. Stand on the promises. And God will bless you. Thank you, Lord, for letting us hear another message. Thank you for helping me preach one more time this side of eternity. I thank you, God, for what you did for somebody special here today. A life change for someone. I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And I pray your blessing upon them as they begin that journey. God, we pray for all these graduates. We ask you to bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.